quite the story, and we're going to talk about exactly that uh, coming up, essentially. Well, yeah. it's good to hear you again, uh, Dennis. And I think oh, I yeah. just heard a cold one. Uh, yeah. it, it's a Red Bull, actually. So Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. Bag, so let's go. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so I guess um, should we get started then? We'll do our countdown, and I'll introduce uh, Mr. Bernstein. Oh, I'm ready. Okay, great. All right, so let's yeah. do it. Five. Four. Four. Three. Two. And one. 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 Hello, world, in a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Welcome back, listeners. It is yet another week in the midst of the NHL pause. We're waiting for the uh, return to play plan to, uh, you know, bear fruit. Uh, we've had some updates uh, from the NHL, both good and bad. In regards to that, some news um, as of today, which is pretty much telling us to hurry up and wait. And uh, we're going to be talking about all of that uh, tonight with a guest. My name is David Auger, and I'm at MetalDave01 on Twitter.com. And I'm joined, as always, by Beth. Hello, I'm at H-I-V-E-R-H-U-I-T on Twitter. And Veronica. Yeah, I'm at C-H-I-L-E underscore Pepper on Twitter. And our guest for the evening is none other than L.A. NHL insider and senior writer for the fourth period, Dennis Bernstein. Dennis, how are you this evening? I'm surviving well in the midst of this pandemic, and it's great to be on the happy hour again. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Love to hear it. You're the first person to say that directly to us. (laughs) With such enthusiasm, I will add. No, but we're we're always so so glad to uh, to have you, Dennis. And uh, you mentioned something that I am sure, um, you know, we're very Twitter oriented, and I'm sure many on Twitter uh, would have uh, probably some reservations about, and that's in regard to Vegas being a hub city. Um, sure, we love uh, we would love to have return to play happen, but given the current state of the coronavirus, there's a lot of uh, you know, people that are, well, they're anxious about that. So um, mm-hmm. tell us about it. How? What have you been hearing around the league? I think it's like 99.98% sure it's going to be uh, Vegas and Toronto. Um, and I know that there's been an uptick, but look, look, guys, it depends how me report things. Like, I think on Thursday or Friday, they said there was a thousand new cases in um, Nevada. Uh, and then they did a little of a deeper dive and it was a thousand cases over three days. Right. I know Vegas. They love the building. Number one, the facility. And I know it's going to be 190 degrees in, in Vegas in August. Uh, but there's no people in the building, so there's no humidity. Um, it's one of the finest ice surfaces in the league. Um, they can certainly guarantee that uh, inside a bubble, like they'll probably go to a hotel like the Vidara or uh, um, Delano. And both those hotels are all sweet hotels. So it's not a situation where the players are going to come in and have a tuned in. 50 square foot hotel. They're gonna have really nice accommodations. And I'll submit to you, I know there were positive tests today and people are freaking out. Five percent positive rate. Inside the bubble, it's gonna be less. And I think what what you want to do here, I think there were always gonna be positive tests. Uh, I think it's just a call out to the players that you shouldn't be going to bars right now if you're single. Stay home for a couple of weeks. Um, and then also when we get to phase three, some of the practices will be some of the practice time will be in the host in the home cities, but then they'll go to the bubble. So at the end of phase three, they'll be inside the bubble. And I'll submit to you, they will be safer inside the bubble than they will be outside the bubble. Now, have specific. If a guy like Max Domi who has diabetes wants to opt out, I have no problem with that. But I think by and large, the membership will vote on it probably, you know, in the next couple of days. And the reason why there hasn't been an announcement, just to clarify why that is, why they haven't come with Hub Cities, because they want to make one announcement. So that, that also includes not only Hub Cities, but key dates, when the season's going to end, and hopefully a CBA, which big picture would be amazing for the league, to be able to go into negotiations in the U.S. for a TV contract with a four- or five-year extension. So that's why we haven't seen it yet. But with respect to um, the Hub Cities, I would be shocked if it was not him, we're talking here on Monday night, if it was not Vegas and Toronto, I think that all the necessary precautions in both cities will be taken by the authorities where the players will be safer. And I'll, and for people that don't believe me, all I will do is point to, to the NBA and the MLS who are resuming their 
their play in Florida of all mm-hmm. places where the mm. where the it's spiraling. But you know somehow ESPN and Disney has assured the players and the leagues that they're going to be safe there. So I believe the same thing. And obviously in Toronto, I think it's about 200 cases a day. Uh, you know, the, the virus isn't something that flies around and just lands on you, right? You have to be in contact with people who have it, and they'll take the necessary testing. I assume there might be one or two players that once we get to play might test positive and they'll have to sit out and they'll have to retest a couple of times. I don't think this is going to run rampant once they get sit inside the, the bubble. So I'm still very optimistic that, A, the players do want to play. And I know there's negative random stories about one player who says, oh, I think it's 50-50. I don't see it that way. I think they're going to vote because not only are they voting on return to play, they're also voting on a CBA extension, right, which is very, very important. And, you know, players always talk about escrow, and I know that Panera went on um, on Instagram and a really right. ill-timed, you know, mm-hmm. rant about escrow. Well, if they don't play this year, it's going to be 35% escrow next year. And, if you, and we, we have to be able to adapt here because the virus isn't going to go away, ever go away, even with a vaccine doesn't mean everybody wants to get vaccinated, right? So I think we have to live with that. So we could just shut things down. But you know, to say, let's start again next season, what's the guarantee that in November or December, it's going to be better or worse or whatever? So I'm all for advocating it because I believe that the NHL and the PA and they're working jointly will do the right things to protect the players from this virus. Even if it's contracted, you know, again, these are 27-year-old players on average. Like they, they, they are less susceptible to getting very ill from this virus. So I'm main, I've been positive all the way through for the last three months, believing they could do that. And I think from a financial standpoint, from a, from a, you know, look, I, you know, Canada, the sport will live on. If MLB and MLS and the NBA play and NHL doesn't, you can forget about the NHL in the U.S. You know, for for yeah. a while. Right. And so there, there, are, there are other implications here. And I know I understand about, you know, a player getting infected and maybe infecting grandma and she passes away. There's risk involved in life. And if you want to stay in your house and just hide from this and never go out again, be my guest. That's not me. And that's why I choose to remain positive. That we'll see hockey about a month from now. You're so positive, Dennis. Nailed this, it. This yeah. Alternative. What's the alternative? Find our houses? We, we we can't do it. Look, even with the lockdowns, it doesn't stop it, right? Staying in your house doesn't stop this. And to be honest with you, staying in the house compromises your immune system. You probably eat more. You're probably in worse shape. So you need to get out. Yeah. Look, you're be smart. I get the mask. Look, the thing about the masks, it shouldn't be a political thing. I get no. it. I don't like it. It's not comfortable. I'm not the youngest guy in the world. But out of respect, I, I wear a mask. I get it. And if everybody wore a mask, we'd probably be, be through this a little quicker. I, I just remain positive because I think we need sports in our life. I think it's very, very important because when you turn on the news, it's 95% bad news. I would like to be able to talk about, you know, Montreal upsetting Pittsburgh and missing out on the first overall pick, possibly. Yes. I'd rather talk about that than oh, talk about, you know, masks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. Now, to, to kind of – um. Uh, go on almost an aside here but something you mentioned is really important that's almost completely overlooked and that deals with uh tv contracts and whatnot if you're saying you know that's a part of the talks it totally makes sense that you know on the surface it kind of looks like um you know the powers that be are dragging their feet until you say they have everything in in one statement that they can issue you know carte blanche and just give it to everybody so that's really interesting yeah, they, they want to make one announcement, Dave. They, they, they do not want to make you – know, now, look, will the cities leak out? Yeah, will Bob McKenzie or Darren Drager or somebody find out and, and or maybe us of the fourth grade leak it? Yeah. Um, but they want to make just one announcement so they could just do it full by, like, here are the cities, here's the schedule, here are important dates, here's the draft. We want to announce the CBA. They don't want to have to make it piecemeal. They want to make one announcement. That's why – and people, look, I get it. They're on edge, and we are – you know, it's June 29th, and they want to play on the – they want to start practices on the 10th. They got to make the they got to make the announcement soon, right? Or if they're going to push it back a couple of days. So we've heard about this, and look, it's been three and a half months since hockey, and hockey fans want hockey back. So it's tough to wait because we're we are on the precipice of having an announcement made. They just want to make it one fell swoop, put all the information together at once, answer any questions, and then move on to hopefully phase three. Without a doubt. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. What do you have for Mr. Bernstein? Um, I stayed at the Vidara. 
when I was in Vegas. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. hotel. Mm-hmm. And there's no casino downstairs either, right? Right. Because so we then, don't want to go in the casino. Yes, exactly. Go back and play Fortnite. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, please. <laughs> That'd be the best thing you kids can do. It's it's another aspect about Vegas that that's you know really compelling too is is you're you're telling you know fellas in the right. primes of their lives you got to stay home in Vegas, guys. You yeah. can't do a yeah. thing. And while Vegas is essentially open, um, I have the uh, what's the word there? Uh, the fortune of having a mother my mother that lives in Vegas, so oh, really? I know I know all about it. It's a it's a quite a town. Yeah. Yeah. And look, they will be able to go out like they'll, they will organize yes. activities for the players like um, like Top Golf. They have Top Golf there, which is an amazing like venue to go to. There are golf courses. They can play golf and stuff like that. And because yeah. they have off days, the way I think it's going to happen is there's going to be alternating days. So you're going to have the East play on a Monday, West play on a Tuesday, East way play on a Wednesday. And you probably have in the opening round, the qualifying round, you probably may have three games a night. So there'll be enough time to to, to fill up the. You know, they're, um, these guys schedule their off-day schedule by doing these activities, but it'll be very closely guarded. You know, I assume there'll be one or two coaches that'll go out or, or, or buses that'll go out and transport everybody. But I think they can do it because of the nature of, of Vegas that, that pulls off big events. And I think there'll be enough security around these players that, you know, they should be able to be shielded from anybody that's testing positive. But, yeah, they shouldn't be going down to, you know, the casino and gambling and stuff like that. Uh, if they close off the entire hotel, then possibly. But then you have to look at um, you have to look at all of the support personnel, like the maids and the, and the, the ballets, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you have to make sure that everybody's tested. But, again, I, I, I keep going back to, to when they first announced that they weren't going to come back. And they put out this 29-page protocol yes. what they wanted to do like they, they, the pe- people have to understand they're not doing this by the seat of their pants no right, they, right. They, they've consulted with health officials and look you saw what happened in vancouver right i mean vancouver it was going to be vancouver and vegas that was it they were done and and then this woman spoke up when they had those 11 positive tests and said you know what happens if there's a positive test inside the bubble and they go well we're going to keep playing and she goes well then i'm not comfortable with it my problem there is that you were that far down the road with Vancouver. How did you not that answer that question to the health authority? Like that should yeah. never have been this deep in it because that's what it was going to be. The league doesn't care about um, about what time zone the players are playing in or anything like that. I will tell you this: I don't think many players want to go to Edmonton. To be honest with you, just because it's Edmonton and they'd rather play Vegas in Toronto. Uh, so I think that, that's not helping them because. And it's funny because they had that great a video that they produced. Um, about and welcome to Edmonton and the and, and showed all the mountains and stuff like that. And people going, dude, that's not that's like that's not outside. <laughs> the families might be there. They're going to be in downtown Edmonton. I've been there. It's not much going on. So I just think that that we we have a situation where I think that that the, the cities are settled in on. Um, and I agree with you. I think I have to have um, some sort of um, entertainment for these players so they don't go crazy. But but again, remember. Like, you know, half these players are only going to be away for about a month or six weeks. You're going to lose eight teams are going to lose out in the first round. Yeah. And then a couple more in the second round. So it's not going to be like they're going to be away for six months. I think we can manage this. And my my point's always been, to be honest, is that if you're a player in this league and you're Patrice Bergeron, right, let's assume Boston's going to have a deep run. You must have had the conversation with your family about, hey, look, by the way, from July to September, I'm not going to be home. So let's arrange for you to have support at home to take care of the kids or whatever. Now that the married guys who seem to be pushing back on this a little bit, they've had plenty of time to get ready for this. And I just think by and large that they do want to contend, they do want to finish the season. So I think that those conversations have already taken place. So when you hear this random and the single single players, I don't think they really care. I mean, you know, some might want to break from their girlfriends for three months. So who knows? <laughs> There's nobody in particular I can think of uh, there, but in in also actually in particular with when you mentioned Edmonton, we had a uh, Veronica, Veronica and Beth, you can help me out with this. We had Brian Wild on, who is a a proud oiler, oil in his bloods Edmontonian, and he was all about the NHL going to Edmonton, and we didn't have the heart to bring up the video (laughs) that you mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like Brian's that, the best. Is, love Brian. that yeah. is not Edmonton and Brian is the best. It's I love not. that guy so much. Yeah. It's not Edmonton. Oh. Sorry. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. It's not Edmonton. <laughs> the, um, 
So one more thing, though, with Brian, um, you know, of course, as I mentioned, Twitter, uh, there was an interesting question that came up between him and Grant McCagg that I thought was an interesting mm -hmm. what if. I'm sure there's no possible chance it could happen, but uh, say something horrendous happens and the NHL forces their hand to say maybe one hub city. Has that question ever came up? Um, no, but I will say this. The conference final and the final will be played in one city. It'll be Vegas. So I, you could move the players conceivably. Mm. Um, you could move them to one of the runner-up cities, right? Because L.A. and Chicago are the runner-up cities. Um, Edmonton would be the fallback city in Canada. So, yeah, you could they, you could do that, right? I, I assume that you'd have to move really, really fast to do that. So I, I'm not sure. You, it depends. It depends. It depends if you see a storm coming, if you see – two or three people, maybe you put the other cities on alert. Uh, but when we get down to the final four and final two, it's going to be in one city anyway. Um, and I just think because of the size of Vegas, because you could, you could move players into more hotels and court them off. And there are plenty of ice surfaces. There's the Orleans. You could put ice down at the MGM Grand. There are enough, oh, yeah. Yeah, there are enough, there are enough other facilities and ice surfaces that you could do that. Remember, we don't care what building it is as long as an NHL size building uh, from an ice standpoint. Because we don't care about people in the building. So New Orleans only holds 9,000 people. Nobody cares. You're playing in front of nobody anyway. So I think in a pinch, could they move it all to Vegas? Let's say it was the uh, with the final eight. I believe they could. We're hoping that wouldn't happen. Uh, but you got to assume that they are kind of doing – look, all this is about is an exercise in risk management. How much risk everybody's willing to take at this point in time. So I got to think there's a plan C with respect to, yeah, once it goes off the tracks – what do we do? Could we move it somewhere else? I think there's going to be a backup plan there, but that would certainly be a, a plan C that they wouldn't want to revert to. Yeah. Right. And if, if any, if any of the players do, like you said, um, like for example, Austin Matthews who tested positive, yeah. you know, chances are that with these, you know, healthy young players, they're going to recover. And by the time that it, training camp is ready to go they're right. ready to play um i just i i just i just worry this the, the news is really scary you know mm -hmm. the, the news like if you watch the news it is all very scary but i, I think that yes. part of that also has to do with trying to sort of whip uh the usa into shape into taking it seriously <laughs> you know like we 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 took it like seriously up here too yeah. because of all the scary stories. But yeah, like the the politicization well, of the mask and everything. Yeah, I, I think Veronica. I think though what it is is it like it, it's about optics, right? It's like yeah. that. That's like when when you see the bad news on TV. Where's the bad news in Florida and in Houston and to some extent here in Southern California? Well, if they're going to play in Vegas and Toronto, it's it's okay. Yeah. If it's going to be in Toronto where you guys did take better care, because in, in some parts of the country, it isn't as prevalent. Like New York went some, through some some really bad times, but now they, they've kind of, you know, they've righted the ship. So it, it, the problem is it's us in the media, right? We, we want to sensationalize all this. It is bad. It's, you know, but the other thing is, to be honest with you, if you look, and I don't want to get too morbid here, but if you look at the, the death rates, we're going down because we know how to deal with this better. Truly, less yes. people are losing their lives because we know how to, to um, the, the right therapeutics are put in place when people start to get sick that can save them. I think we know how to protect the old, the elderly and the people at risk who have underlying health conditions. So I think that while you're right on point with respect to has Canada done a better job than the U.S.? Yes, the U.S. is a much bigger country, right? Number one, um, and and I think it's just some hot spots that we have to take care of. But when you only have one city, which is Vegas, that's going to host this, um, I think that. When you see 200, 300 cases in a day and hospitalizations aren't really up that much, I think the players should have a, a well, there's no guarantees in the life. And we can't, you know, we I, I saw Malcolm Jenkins on on who's in the NFL on CNN saying, like, I want the risk eliminated. And I feel like telling the guy, well, you play in a sport where if you lower your head the wrong way and you make yeah. a tackle, yeah. your power. I mean, so. I don't know why is this need to have all risk eliminated from your lives. Like I drive in a car. I'm a very careful driver. If somebody hits me broadside and it's over, I had no control over it. So we can't, I can't guarantee everybody is not going to get this, Veronica. And I get your point about 
the U.S. the, the, the cases are higher, but it, it's in it's in certain areas where um, it won't affect return to play for the NHL. So I'm comfortable with them executing it in um, in Vegas. But you're right; everybody in the state should wear a mask. Yes, I agree because it, that's it's it's going to affect um, the border and the regular season as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. When, when does it stop? Like exactly until, and even with, to be honest with you, even with a vaccination, like, so I'll give an example. So are you going to now next season at the bell center, check everybody to make sure they had a vaccination? How do you do that? Like, yeah. do you want us to wear badges or what? I mean, what, what's, do you, are, are all the players going to agree to get vaccinated? Maybe, maybe not. Right. Some people will never take a vaccine. So I, I don't know when this ever ends. And that's why people, some people that are very negative about it, my answer to you is like, so when's this going to end? Like, we can't stop a virus. This could, this could go on for three years. You want to stop all sports? No, I don't want to do that. So when are we going to talk about Lafreniere and the... <laughs> no. <laughs> I suppose we can, because I think uh, with <laughs> with the draft lottery, it's it's almost the, the best case and the worst case scenario specifically for the Habs. However, wow, did Detroit not do well with the lottery? Yes. Man, oh man, I know a lot of uh, Red Wings fans, and they were, you know, um, you know, why did the chicken cross the road? Because the NHL was rigged, you know, oh, <laughs> or yeah, something. Like That's that. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's just, but they're they're you know they're admittedly frustrated. They hate. They still they get a top five pick out of a rather good class of uh, candidates. Yeah. But of course, Lafreniere is the uh, prize to get and we don't know where he's going what yeah, well, a draft yeah uh, i'm good at polls so it's not for a happy hour poll would you Habs fans rather lose the first round to pittsburgh and have a shot at lafreniere or would you rather have a shot at the cup by beating pittsburgh you know i've, I've seen other people do this poll and according to the uh, the twitter bubble that the Habs fans have, yes. It seems that they would rather lose the Pittsburgh to have a chance at the first overall pick. Okay, and what would you for, like? Okay, myself. I want the cup. I want the cup. Same. Let's go. Great. Give me, give me the silver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, but with with uh, Alexi Lafreniere though, what a great story. If the Habs can't can't do their due diligence against Pittsburgh and they end up getting a top ten pick, but then it ends up being uh, Lafreniere. What an incredible story. Good for the Habs. Good for the kid. Homegrown talent, you know. And, but got to go for the cup. Come on. Yeah. But I will say this. It's, so people will say they don't like this setup. And I use the example of Montreal. Like, this is really bad for the sport and the placeholder. I'm like, so wait, 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 wait. So <laughs> Montreal, who was the 24th best team, who would have been in the lottery probably anyway. Like, if they lose in the first round and they get a French-Canadian star to play at the Bell Center – how does that hurt the game? How do, I mean, Toronto got Austin Matthews. Why can't the Habs have Lafreniere? So I don't I, – I, I, you know, you want to criticize it. Criticize it if Pittsburgh gets upset by Montreal and they win it and then Alexis escape next to Sid Crosby. Or, Mont or Edmonton loses to Chicago in the first round, which I think they will, and he's skating next to, uh, you know, Leon and, and Connor. Then complain. Don't complain right now. We don't know who's going to win it. If it's Winnipeg, who would complain if Lafreniere went to Winnipeg? So I just, people are so quick to go to judgment on this. And look, part of it was the optics, because if you guys watched the, the, the lottery, you saw Bill Daly's face when he turned <laughs> over that card. He wasn't, it looked like he was thrilled when the logo came up. But I just, I want to wait and see where this kid actually lands. And he can land in a place that needs him that, you know, you know, if it's one of the four teams that were one of the eight teams that wouldn't have made the playoffs of the top 16, I got no beef with it. And, and look, we're trying to, I, I've said this on so many different occasions, we're landing on the best of bad ideas. There's nothing perfect. If you can't adapt and you don't like it and you don't like the leagues coming back, then turn your TV off Don't and don't be a hypocrite and watch the games when they do come back. Right. And then just <laughs> turn off Twitter and don't comment about it anymore if you don't like this. Like, what were we supposed to do? Do you th and and I, I give the example of Major League Baseball. 60 games and in extra innings, you start with a guy on second base. That's okay. So don't tell me that, like, the NHL is clueless and they don't know what they're doing. Like, look at the other sports. They're trying to adapt 
as best they can to a worldwide pandemic to start playing again. Um, and then so if you're going to criticize this sport for the, the lottery and the way it worked out, please go and criticize the other sports because they've had their same challenges as well. For sure. Now, part that, I, oh, go ahead, Brian. The part that I like about it the least is that now Toronto has a chance at Lafreniere. Ugh. That's they what do. I like about it the least. The, the, the Pittsburgh, when you said Pittsburgh, I was like, wow, you know, it's, you know, they'll, they'll have the three headed dragon again. Like when uh, Kessel was there uh, <laughs> yeah. with, with their two cup runs, it's just what a, what a boost it would be for any club now. But something you mentioned before, Dennis, it was team ease um, chances yeah. that yeah. ended up first overall. And I believe that was, that was Winnipeg, right? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Right, it doesn't right. Doesn't matter which team it was because it just it just reverts to now. Everybody's got the same twelve point five percent chance, so it's not. And and look, I've been wrong on air about this a couple of months before, and my buddy John Hoven was came on the show and was wrong about it as well. So yeah, yeah. So the fact that it was Team E or F or A or B doesn't matter. It's just now all those eight teams have the same twelve point five percent chance at it, and so that was that's how it was tiered. Right. And to clarify another point uh, with the draft, and I think it, I think it's been you know. Uh, settled uh like in the past few days is say that there isn't a playoff a play in round like there's no qualifying round and we're yeah. and we have a um, play. placeholder so right. i think what happens is that phase two draft would happen and it'd be the even odds between the teams that aren't in uh that that couldn't have made the playoffs i believe Correct. right yeah yes okay so Don't equal odds between those the the 12.5 percent or whatever it is right okay yeah yeah. Right. There it is. Well, that was easy. Good job, everybody. And Dennis, I'm curious to think, what do you think of Montreal's chances? Because you said playoffs? you said that. Yeah. You said that you thought Edmonton would lose to Chicago, right? Yes. So what do you think is going to happen with Pittsburgh and Montreal in the playoffs? All right. So one team won 19 games this year in regulation and lost four times to the Red Wings. Right. I, I don't yep. think they're going to win that series. <laughs> Pittsburgh. And, oh, oh, and, well, yeah, and, and we never had all healthy man. bodies. You do have the boogeyman that everyone's scared of and carries. Yeah. <laughs> the boogeyman who's on his way back to Montreal oh today, God. I believe. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. today. He kids goodbye and went back on the plane after yeah. saying he wasn't sure he was going to vote yay or nay. Um, I just, yeah. I, yeah, I know they're healthy, but I just, I don't know. You got Brent Kulak on the left side of the second pair. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Ooh, ouch. Uh, so. Romanoff's going to be really good, though. That's a one. Thing. Look, going hey, forward. Hey, that's the question. Hey, yeah, I will tell this. I, I will say this about Montreal. And, you know, I'm on the air, and I love the city. I love the fans. I think it's amazing. It's one of the reasons I come on your podcast. Until they find a number one center, you can forget about them going deep. It's as simple as that. They they they, they, they can't do it. Like, who's going to – like, I know Phil Dunneau's can be good and Max not – you know they're going up against Sid and Gino in the middle, and I just I, I don't there's just not enough quality here until they until Berge figures out a way to get a number one center if he's got to overpay for him. Like then I I just see this team. The, the, the problem with the Habs is like you know the the one thing you can't be in this league is is mediocre because you never draft at the top. You always have eighth or ninth or tenth, and not for nothing. The kid they drafted at three a couple of seasons ago, he's not a number one center. Kakanyemi probably a number two at best. He's not the elite guy that you're going to need. I don't. I, I just don't see it. Maybe he is, and hopefully I'm wrong. But until Bergen can figure out a way, and he tried it with Aho, kind of, sort of tried with that offer sheet. Until you guys do that, when I look at that division, when you have Bergeron and Matthews and Marner and Tavares, it's going to be really hard. It, it, and that's the one thing I concern myself with the Habs. I think that. The drafting's been pretty decent. I think there's some prospects there, but if you're not strong down the middle and they're just not strong, I, like even Max, Max better off at the wing than center. Um, he's really got to do something. And, and look, on a championship team, Phil Deneau would be a great three C, right? But now he's the one C, and that's not that's frankly not good enough. So no, I would not bet on Montreal to win the series. But I will say this: they got a better shot in the best of five than the best of seven, and they come yeah. out of the. The one, the one concern I have, though, and I've mentioned this, is that when you forget this, if this was regular times and it was a best of five and the Habs found a way to split in Pittsburgh, they'd be coming back to the Bell Center in game three and the place would be a zoo. Mm. Well, guess what? If they do split the first games, it doesn't matter because there's going to be no zoo. There's going to be no fans. They're not going to be able to ride that wave of momentum splitting the first two games. 
So even if they get, manage to do that, they're going to have a puncher's chance. And I, I would think that any fat Hab fan, you went up to him and say, hey, look, by the way, best of three playing Pittsburgh, would you sign for it right now? Yeah. So it's important they come out of the box hard. The one thing they won't have as an advantage as an underdog is going home if they're able to split the first two games. But, guys, I just don't see enough quality on that roster to think they could beat Pittsburgh. Wow, we started out so positive. Um, <laughs> and I got real great show. <laughs> but I will say this. If they, God forbid, if they – beat Pittsburgh in the first round, I'm going to delete my Twitter app and throw my phone into the ocean because Habs fans are not going to be happy. Oh, my God. They want the shot at the draft pick. Yes, exactly. And here's the problem with winning that round. Because of the 12th seed, they're always going to be seeded against the top team. So they're going to go in. If they beat Pittsburgh, then they're going to have to beat Boston. So I, I get the logic, right? What's the good in beating Pittsburgh if then you got to go play Boston? Right? Let's see. I assume the round robin because there's going to be good. Let's say it's Boston because they were the best team, and you lose to Boston in the next round. Right. And now you didn't have that shot. So I, I get it. I understand it. I, I I can understand the logic a little bit. Saying what's the benefit of winning one series if you're going to get knocked out by the best team in the next one, and you had a shot at a an elite player. Now he's the one. The other thing, and I know, you know, I get it. He's French-Canadian. It's a, it's a perfect match. I get all that. I remember last year, and remember how Jack Hughes and Capo Caco were going to come in and just dominate the league. And and here we are at the end of the season, and Jack Hughes is on the left wing, not even center in New Jersey. His brother's up for the for the, for the the call. They're not him. And Capo Caco's on the fourth line in New York. So, so be careful. And the problem, that's the problem. The challenge Alexis would have, if the Habs did lose the first round and did win the lottery, what kind of pressure is going to be on that kid coming into Montreal That's exactly as the savior? It. Like, you really got to really, really treat him with good gloves. That's the one concern I have is that the expectations are going to be through the roof. And, yes, he's a great player, but this is not the NBA where you put LeBron James on the Lakers and they win a championship. This yeah. is a 23-man roster, and he will be a great addition. Right? It's built on the right type of center or Max Domi to, make, to maximize his production. I don't know. I think if he didn't wind up in Montreal, I think the best case scenario would be a guy like Brady Kachuk, 20 and 20 first year, and then you build around him, you add additional players. So while I, I would love to see a French-Canadian player, you know, go back to Montreal and play, and you might want to ask Jonathan Drouin about that. It's not really exactly. unless you're producing, right? It, there's going to be so much pressure on that kid. It's the one concern I have. Not that he's not an elite player or can be. I, I just concern myself with so much expectation if he were to land in Montreal. Yeah, he'd be the second coming of Guy Lafleur, essentially, right. with, uh, how touted he is. And yes. and historically, too, Guy didn't have the best uh, couple, he had a hard couple time. or three years. So, yeah, But agreed. in today's age, holy cow, who knows yeah. how what that would do to someone's uh, you know mentality going into it. Yeah. Really something. Yeah, three games without a goal, he's be, the people between, he's a bust. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We have a way of devouring our, our young. Yes, you're right, exactly. <laughs> and what happens then it, when we say say your um, theory is correct, Dennis, and yeah. we lose in the first round to Pittsburgh and then we don't get the first overall pick? Like there's just never the, – the, the whole thing is who cares what we want? <laughs> the players right. are going to try to win. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be throwing any series. No. It's a lottery. Look at what it's, look at Ottawa and Detroit where they ended up after yeah. being terrible all season. It's no guarantee. So, yeah, no. it's 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 no guarantee. You need you need players, not player. Like so, it, it doesn't. Is it great? Would it be great? Yeah, they're gonna leap out like that. It, it, he's a foundational player, but he's not gonna change anything. How many playoff games has Connor McDavid won with Leon Draisaitl? Like what's Austin Matthews done? He couldn't get out of the first round with Toronto. So this is no guarantee of like that you need, you just need, you need, to, you need to build a franchise. You need to fill boxes. I saw it here in Los Angeles. It took three to five years for Dean Lombardi to find the right mix of players to get at. Yeah, he had Kopitar. Yeah, he had Dowdy. But, you know, that's not what, what – they have Kopitar and Dowdy now, and they were 27. So it's no guarantee at all. Well, it would be great for the league if, with a French-Canadian kid playing it in his home 
a rink, that would be amazing. It, it's far from a guarantee. And like I said, like I said, the, you go tell a player he's supposed to lose. It's, it's better for the team. Yeah. Like there's no, these players yeah. are just too good and sacrifice too much to come to the point where they are saying, Hey, it's better off if you lose this round. They just don't buy it. Right, right, right. Very true. And we're never going to be happy anyway, because if, if that happens, <laughs> if it happens that we miss out on Lafreniere and we lose, then it'll be, and sorry, and we just lost the play into Pittsburgh. It'll be, it'll be about that. Can't even be Pittsburgh in a best of five. <laughs> yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I think I might just delete my app now. Yes. Quite honestly. That's, yes. As soon as training camp some, starts. <laughs> some nights I want to definitely delete my app. Exactly. <laughs> No, we need you. Please. No, yes, no, please. Stick around. Yeah, no, this we is, need you. I know. I, just some nice <laughs> stupidity just adds up. Yeah. No, we know. We know. We've been yeah. there. Um, so now speaking of training camp, that's still set for, what was it, July 10th, 10th. I believe it is? It might move back a couple of days. I think the latest will be the 14th. But, yeah, it will be the second week of July. Okay, and then part of it, Yeah, and then part of it would be – in in the home cities where the, the players skate, but then they would move the end of it towards the end of it to the hub cities, which again would put another level of, of security for the players, right, with respect to you know being at, um, exposed to the virus, right. So they'd probably skate for a week, ten days in their home city, and then move to the the hub cities. So and I think what now there was going to be a flip where like the western teams, like they, the west teams would play in the east. And the East teams say in the West, you have a situation where Toronto's playing in their home rink in Vegas is. That may not be the case, that the East teams may stay home and may actually skate in Toronto. So Montreal will probably be skating in Toronto uh, at this point in time because there's a little bit too much travel. But yeah, that's the plan. So it's like a split training camp, not unlike um, football training camp where they where – they tra- some, some teams in football train at an – like the Dallas Cowboys. They train here in Southern California – for a couple of weeks and then they come back to Dallas and train. It's the same thing. You'll train in Montreal for a few weeks for seven to 10 days. And then you'll go to either Toronto or Vegas and finish your training there. That way it gives the time for people to be tested. If there's a positive test, you can pull them out and they still should be ready by the time we start play at the end of the July. Right. All right. Well, that's the plan. Okay. Cause it's two weeks basically to, to for it to leave your system if you have it by yeah. the time you test positive. So that's yes. why I didn't understand really all the consternation about Austin Matthews being sick. Like he's, unless there's something awful happens, he'll get better. Yeah. He'll get better and he'll test positive. He'll test negative a couple yeah. of times and he'll be fine. And that's what happened. And look, to be honest with you, every player, and we don't know who other than Austin has tested positive, either at the Tampa Bay, uh, Julian Brisewa said, look, everybody that's tested positive either was asymptomatic or had a mild case of it. And that's the that's what's going to happen. And there's nobody like, look, I don't want anybody to sick. I don't want anybody no. to contract. But they're not going to wind up in a hospital. These are exceptionally well trained athletes with great immune systems. It's going to be, and then not for nothing, we see this every year. And it's not to the degree it is, but you know, ha- has the flu gone through a team and you lose four or five players sometimes? We see it all the time. Our players get way more sick when the flu goes through, a uh, virus goes through his, uh, a team. So we're not going to stop this. It's just that the level of and we're overcompensating? Yes, we are, right? Because, again, and I looked up the statistic, right? And, again, I looked up the average, the median age of an NHL player is 27. As of last week, less than 1,000 people passed away from COVID-19 who were under 35, right? So that, so I just looked at the numbers saying, okay, you're going to be reasonably safe. You should not have to worry about um, uh, your health if you're a player. And since you're going to be in a bubble, you're not going to affect your family, your loved ones, or maybe a grandmother or yeah. grandfather or an elderly person. So that's an area that some people are offering up. It's just not going to happen. There's not going to be an 85-year-old grandmother inside the bubble, right? It's going to be secure. It's going to be policed properly. So I, yeah. I think that's it. I just think that we – look, I, I understand the mentality. In, a, in days like this, we always look at the worst case. We're always thinking about the worst. And I just choose not to be that way. I'm saying, well, what are the odds? What's the risk involved? And I think the players are at, at – at, a very small risk of even contracting the virus. And if they do, I think they'll be fine. What I would like to see is possibly maybe one of the players go public because there's some stigma around this for some reason right? and say, Hey, look, by the way, uh, guys, I tested positive. I was sick for, I had light symptoms for a couple of days and now I'm fine. I like, and now I'm immune, 
right? Because then supposedly you have an immunity for a year. I'd like to see one of the players that tested positive come out and do a PSA for it, if maybe just internally to his own, the I can follow the NHLPA, but just in general saying, hey, look, you know, be safe, be careful. But I'm telling you that as an NHL player, I did contract it and I'm fine now. But I'm not sure that will happen. Right. Yeah, hockey players, they're not too much on a speaking out uh, for no. themselves, at least in that regard, too. Like uh, for like you mentioned before, when uh, Panarin uh, came out on social media about the escrow, I was like, holy mm. crap. <laughs> Didn't expect that today. But no. um, Some bad advice there. Asian, yeah, so. yeah, it's typically uh, not the case. Let's see, what else do we have on the docket? Lady, I do you have, have a question. I have a question. Go for it. Um, Dennis, have you heard anything with regard to um, the handling of media outlets? Um, that's something that we discussed yeah. last week, or we mentioned with John Liu last week. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not expecting to, I mean, granted, like, you all aren't going to be inside, most likely. But um, have you heard anything about how they're going to handle that? I, I do believe that media will have access because the league wants the media to cover this. Um, okay. But now you saw, I think, the head of Sportsnet today said that the play-by-play guys are going to, TV are going to be reading, doing the call off the monitors. What you might see is the radio broadcasters inside the arena. Uh, but the TV guys not inside the arena. Guys like mm-hmm. me, I I want to cover the sport. I want to cover the game. I'm not sure we'll have access to the to the event level floor. So you know we might have a situation where we might be in the press box. The one thing about an empty building, if there's 100 media, you can disperse the media around the building without a problem. Right? You can sit them in the seats. You can sit them on the glass, whatever. I do believe we'll have access, but okay. I don't think we'll have okay. like I don't think we'll have act direct access to the players. Right. Or we may have a situation right. like back in the um, when they did the World Cup of Hockey about four years ago. What they did is they brought players out like, or like the All-Star game. They brought players out and put them on a pod and they did the interview. So you could probably put you know, the winning coach or whatever in the pod and keep you know the media a certain distance away, maybe 12 feet away and have a microphone, wireless microphone. I do expect media to be in the building. Um, I think they will limit it to some extent. But lucky for me. Um, I'm at a, a level where I believe that we'll be we'll have access to it. Not, damn it, I definitely want to be in the buildings for those games. So I think there will be media in the mm-hmm. building. Um, I just think it will not be, you know, just every single media member. They, they're probably going to limit it to X amount, and they're going to probably go through and say, okay, you know, if Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager and Elliot Friedman want to be in the building, or Clea LeBron, we're going to let them in the building. You know, the less, you know, the nondescript website that might cover the Habs or their or at least probably not going to get access. It's going to be probably the, the people who are more tenured to have status. Well, don't let that just figure. I thought we had a chance. Mm. No. <laughs> so now, with that being the case, um, would the NHL, as part of the bubble in the hub city, would they have um, something for the media? Is that in the works or probably not? When you say they had something for the media, what does that mean? Like, say, uh, say you know, they they have the teams in their uh, bubble. Like, maybe there would be, like, a floor or a few rooms uh, in a hotel for uh, media oh, members. Yeah. What, what I assume what would happen would be, um, well, first of all, to get access, you'd have to probably show a recent negative test. You'd have, you, I, I, if I want to go, I'm going to have to go on my own dollar. Go get a, a COVID-19 test to show I'm negative. And then to get in the building, they're going to do a temperature check, right? And if I'm above 100.3 or whatever the, the threshold is, then I'm not allowed in the building. Um, th- I would assume that they would have a workspace. I assume everybody's going to have to be masked, right? Um, I, I don't think, like, locker room access, no chance. No way, no chance. I, I think the guys that, like a John Liu for TSN, who might be covering, he probably has another tier of access. But the thing with John John may have to go into that bubble for the entire time, which I'm not sure he'd want to do. If I'm not, and if I'm writing a story, I'm doing radio, I don't need to do a one-on-one with Max Domi or Patrice Bergeron or Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't need it. So I want to be in the building to cover it. I want to be able to comment, comment uh, uh, to, to write about it or talk about it. I don't need the direct access to the players, right? So I'm, I'm not on a beat. I'm a columnist. I'm doing radio. I just want to be able to observe. So I think that there'll probably be a tier. The on-ice people like uh, Sean McKenzie is probably going to do ice-level interviews, whatever. 
but that's still in the, in the offing. He's going to be have to be in that in that bubble. Guys like me may be able to come and go because I'm not going to have direct access to that. So there's going to be there's probably going to be two tiers of um, of media at this point. I think that's the way they're going to play it. Right. Okay. That's going to be quite the experience. I don't know what you think about um, everybody who calls this the cup, the championship with an asterisk. No. They're going to be playing five rounds, these people. Yeah. And it's like. This is, it's going to be grueling. Yeah. There's no, please. So let me ask you a question. So let's go back to 2013 when they played 48 games and then the Blackhawks won the cup. Which one of us is going to go up to Jonathan Tate and say, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, I see that ring. It should be an asterisk on that ring. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, especially after – here's the thing. After not playing for four months and playing yeah. teams that are fully healthy, and as you mentioned, possibly five rounds, that's not a legitimate win. No, <laughs> that's just the opposite. It's probably the hardest cup ever to win. Like, yeah. nobody's yes. – Everybody's healthy. To say asterisk, that's crazy. If you want to go – and they played 70 games. Right. It's not like baseball. You want to talk about asterisk? Let's go to baseball. 60 games when 162 should be played. No, it's just the opposite. People that say there should be an asterisk to this, they they don't have a clue. They should stop watching hockey. They don't get it. They don't and to minimize it by saying they're going through all this stuff and then it's ah, it's not. It's cheap. Yes. You crazy? Like you don't know this sport and you shouldn't watch it. And you certainly should be on social media saying there should be an asterisk for it. I agree with everything you said. Perfect. Yeah. And I'm going to be so jealous mm-hmm. if you get to be there. We've, <laughs> we, we've talked about it so much. Like it, all you're going to hear is rink sounds and skate sounds. and Oh, that's going to be so great. Sticks oh. And, yeah. oh, so clearing. Cool. Yes. <laughs> the one question I have, you know, in the States, when they cover, um, when NBC Sports Network does the uh, Premier League from England, they put in the broadcasts uh, sound effects from crowds. So when you're watching on TV, you hear like cheering and booing and whistling and singing, but the players don't hear it in the building. So I'm wondering if they're going to do that for the oh, NHL. Yeah, please no. So, no. Yeah, it's going to be so weird to be in an empty building. Right? Yes. And, and, and I've asked players, we've had players on our radio show, like they've never, the last time they were in an empty building playing hockey for, for real was probably when they were mites or something like that. It's, it's yeah. going to be very unique experience with respect to that. But you know what? Once things get – and I'm not sure how the, if they'll play music inside the arena what they're going to do because uh, their events people will figure that out. But once a game gets going, you block all that. If you're a professional athlete, if you're a hockey player at this level, you block that stuff out. You don't hear that, right? So I think that maybe some momentum shifts when there's a penalty, but it, it's going to be weird. But I think that – you know, it, you have a couple of weeks to, to practice with your team and whatever, I guess, experience you'll have inside the rink once you play, but probably replicated to practice, right? If there is going to be crowd noise or pumped in or music or whatever, um, they'll probably just replicate it so they're getting a little accustomed to it. But if you're not ready to adapt right now to the game, to, to all that, then you're not going to succeed. And I, I think that's the focus. I think you have to be really super focused at this point in time to break out just to, to – to, to with, just to block out all the other things that aren't natural about this game that's going on right now. If you just can't focus on beating your man to the puck and getting a shot on net, then you're probably not going to succeed in this playoff. Yeah. Right. Now, something else that comes to mind, we, we're talking players, we're talking teams getting ready to uh, play in an empty rink. Has anyone thought about, say, the officiating? Because they haven't called a game in months how right. interesting is that going to be for them going into playoff officiating? I re- I'm really curious to see how that will all uh, play out as well. I, I think other than getting in shape, the, the referees will probably be the least effective because they won't be getting the, boot, the crap boot out of them when they make a right. Ball, right? Mm. I, I think that that'll be it. And I think that – plus I don't think that, you know, maybe that you won't see the extra, you know, pushing and shoving and scrums. Maybe players might be a little bit hesitant to say. I think the refereeing will be fine, to be honest with you. I think they'll be the least effective because they're they're the ones that always are playing road games, right? They never have a home game of the referees. They're always on the road. So I, I think that they'll be accustomed to it. I just concern myself with respect to 
are they going to be in shape if they're taking four months off? Are they going to be, you know, are, I assume we're going to have to have backup referees in case of injury, somebody, and not not bad injuries, but maybe somebody, you know, uh, pulls a groin or hamstring or something like that. So you're going to have that backup referees. Uh, but I think the referees will not be will not be effective for them because I think that they're probably going to watch some video, probably doing a little bit of reminders, getting ready. I assume the league has probably made the assignments of what they're going to need with respect to how many officials, so they're probably getting ready. They're probably hopefully getting some ice time at, at this point in time. So I would be a little bit concerned about, you know, having them going full force right off the bat and maybe concerned with some leg or muscle injuries. But other than that, I think the refereeing will be fine. Great. Sounds good. Trying to think. What else do we have for Mr. Bernstein this evening? Well, uh, you were telling us just off the air when we first um, made the connection tonight, Dennis, about how things are, how how you and your family are doing in L.A. Mm -hmm. Can you tell yeah. our listeners? Can you reassure our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, there, Look, there's been an uptick in, in the virus here. Um and I'm over 60, so I have to take be be careful. But I'm in great health, so um, when I do go out, I wear a mask. I you know I don't go off out too often, uh, only when I have to. But I'm not afraid of the virus. It's not that. And I think that what happened was, and as you mentioned before, I think people were careless. I think that people and we opened up the bars and there wasn't social distancing and people thought things were back to normal, which was probably a mistake. Um, but I do think if we're if we're uh, vigilant again, that within a couple of weeks and plus. Look, I don't want to get too political here, but, you know, when I see all those protests and thousands of people right next to each other, even though they were wearing masks, I got to think some of those people went home and contracted the virus and spread it. Right. So hopefully. With Dave the, is fine. Yeah. Oh, OK. That's good. <laughs> I, I'm very lucky. And that was something because I was a part of uh, some of those protests. And that's the first that's the first thing I thought of. It's like, this is it. New York's going to have its second spike. But, you know, as we've seen, New York has been down, <laughs> down, 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 yeah. down. The whole yeah. way. So um, I think people uh, know that, um, you know, whether it be it the scientists or the people that are more conscious about it, is that uh, masks, man, they really do help. But so far, they everything help. seems yeah. to be good. Um, as far as like social distancing and bars, I think that's pretty much it. You know, once people said, hey, reopen, it was all pow mow. Let's go. Yeah. And it just some yeah. people travel around and it just spreads. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've gone out to a restaurant. I went to a couple yeah. of restaurants. And I was fine. I mean, one the first restaurant I went to, they had full shields on the servers and stuff like that. Mm. So I don't think that's it. I just think there was some some carelessness. You see in the Sun Belt states as well that people just went out on mass. And now Texas has closed the bars, and I think that was. Right. It. I think younger people think they're invincible, and yes. they're not, and they spread it. And and again, it's not about you getting it because if you're 27 years old and you go out to a bar and you contract it, you're not gonna you're not gonna die from it, obviously. But it's who you're gonna pass it to. So I, I get it, I understand it. But you know, things are here. Like things are. It's weird because uh, it's weird because you go out. There's traffic in LA now. Like uh, yeah. you know, oh. if there was no traffic. Now there's traffic. Like there's rush hour. People are getting because. And the good thing about the health officials saying, look, this is getting bad. We have to change things. We have to change our behaviors. But we also understand we can't shut down again. So if we shut down again, our way of life as we know it is going to be over. We can't do that again. So there has to be some sort of middle ground, which is a good thing because I was always concerned about our way of life as opposed to losing lives. Because I look, I understand we didn't lock down um, nursing homes and assisted living facilities when we should have. That cost a lot of people their lives. But most of the people that you know are over 65. The, the high propensity in the, in the states is over 85. Right. So we but I'm glad that the government understands and says, look, you got to wear a mask. We might pare back some things, but we can't shut down fully because, you know, we've got I don't know what it is, 17 percent unemployment in California. We can't do that again. It's impossible. Right. So so we can't. And now that lockdowns don't stop it. It just elongates it. So we have enough time to prepare our medical facilities and our health facilities to, to treat the people who get, you know, get really sick and go into ICU. So while I don't think that this will happen again in Los Angeles, I just think people are going to be just a little bit smarter, maybe not make that extra trip to the market to get groceries and go back to, you know, Postmates or whoever to get a delivery at home. Um, so, but I don't see, look, personally, I don't know anybody that got it, right? And and although you see the numbers in LA, you have to remember there's 10.5 million people in Los Angeles and if there's 200,000 cases, that's still a very small percentage. We don't want it to spread. So when you go out, wear a mask, do the social distancing. That's not too much to ask. That's the whole thing. It, if you don't believe in that and there are people politically that don't, 
it's just a little selfish to not believe that you can't take the time out to be distant from somebody and wear a mask when you go out in the public. Absolutely. Um, and to bring up the um, to bring up the example of New York, like over the weekend, this this most recent weekend weekend was the first time I've actually like went out to meet friends out for like lunch and dinner because things have started opening up uh, in yes. the capital region in Albany. So and the restaurants were great. Like you said, people were wearing masks. I saw some uh, face shields myself. Uh, mm -hmm. See, you know, every other table, every other right. booth and things worked out. Now, in particular, though, uh, there's a bar that I frequent often, a beer garden. And I was actually kind of surprised that they were open, but they had themselves an outdoor patio and only half of the bar was open. Right. Part of right. the bar all the way in the back. And yeah. there was only maybe, I don't know, half a dozen, maybe a little more people there. So it wasn't yeah. like, you know, a huge crowd, but they're they're very conscious about it. And I'm, I'm glad to see it, that. It's funny. The restaurant I went to the first night out was a boa, which is a steakhouse here. And so they, what there was no inside seating, but they did put two mannequins at a table. Like it, when you walk in, like who are those people? Like, oh, wait a minute. They're mannequins. <laughs> they would only sit in the outdoor area and they would not let any, anybody sit at the bar. So so that so that was good. So they certainly and they so and there were plastic partitions between the tables and so they took a lot of care and that's a hop scale restaurant i guess they could do that but it was it was good to see because again we can't stay hidden in our houses the rest of our lives we, we have to be able to adapt and deal with this smartly and i think that's what we're doing by and large and that's it that's exactly it. you have to adapt smartly and you have to give some respect to you know how serious uh something like this can be but you know as long as people um as we've been saying wear a mask social distance wash your hands and maybe not take the extra trip out, like you say. Okay. And we should I, be in the clear. I have a little update about Hub Cities. It probably went to about 99.999% for Toronto. Oh, boy. Um, because, yeah, behind the scenes, they're working on hotels and things of that nature. So um, so that looks like it's a lock-in. And I guess they're still trying to get a little bit more clarity and more surety from Vegas with respect to that. But it looks like Toronto is definitely going to be one of the Hub Cities. Right. So definitely, yeah, Vegas, Toronto are almost the locks we're saying yeah i would say toronto even i think right now number one is toronto and then okay. probably vegas will be the start i think there was a, a board of governors conversation earlier today but it sounds like toronto for sure at this point and then um i would guess unless something falls through and you go to la or chicago it would be vegas as the other other city understood there's something that doesn't add up for me and I, i'm probably missing something really obvious like people were you know, sad for me that the play in or the the hub city wasn't going to be Vancouver. I couldn't care less. I can't go to the game. Right, I'm exactly. not going to see the players. And so I just don't Makes understand no what advantage the city None. has. Maybe you see the buses going by your house. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, Veronica, they can come turn around in your cul-de-sac. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. But no, there is no, there is no sadness for, you no. know, Maybe for some people that might get some work out of it or something from the hotels, but other than from the fan standpoint, no, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. And I, so I don't even understand from the city itself, like what, why the premier of Alberta lobbied so hard for this. It, I mean, well, it's, it, it's not going to be a tourist Faction, um, factor. Kind of, sort of, though. Like, hey, we're healthy enough where we can stay, host the games here. Look at, and plus there'll be, you know, Sportsnet or TSN's televising it. They're gonna have the backdrop and they're gonna show Victoria Island and whatever. So it, I think, I think there's an incremental tourism value to this, and it's just also just to the the city itself. It's a return. It's another sign of return to some sort of normalcy. Saying, hey, look, right. we're healthy enough where we can stage this and we're doing all the right things. It reassures the people in that city that, wow, we're picking up, pulling up this major event. We're going to make sure that our population is safe, which is one of the reasons that they're not doing it there. Because, uh, you know, the doctor said, look, I'm not comfortable with this, uh, with the protocol that you have laid down if somebody tests positive inside the bubble. So I, I agree with you. I think by and large, in, in the scope of things, it, it's not meaningful. I think it's just an opportunity to promote BC as a great destination. for people. Right. Right. And uh, Dr. Bonnie's unconcerned with promoting BC as a great destination because right. everybody already knows that. Yes. <laughs> She's keeping the cruise ships out. Yes. They're not allowed either. Well, get it. Yeah. They're going to be safe. I get it. I, I, look, I totally get that. I understand. I just I wish that they had had that conversation with her 
yeah. three weeks ago before they even got into the mix where they're they're looking at hotels and making all those. I mean, that's the one thing that boggles the mind is that the premier didn't have that conversation. Like now, why did it come up now? Like it, you knew that was a question. That's a question I would have asked at the beginning of the conversation. Oh, we're thinking about having a, well, what did, I would ask that's the first question I would ask, <laughs> not the last one. <laughs> oh, did you, oh, we're about to have this conversation. Oh boy. It's just, I, I yeah. said, it a, I said a couple of it's politicians being politicians, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that involved. And uh, now the thing is, though, if uh, Vancouver made a video about the NHL coming there, it actually looked like Vancouver. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can drive through the U- UBC campus and say, look, here's the rainforest. Yeah. <laughs> you can see everything from the city. So it's not like you don't have to travel for five hours. Exactly. You don't have to put a drone. You don't have to fly a drone three hours. To- <laughs> <laughs> don't forget a gas-powered drone to oh. <laughs> take a trip. Oh my lord! So to our listeners in Edmonton, we love you. Absolutely, we love you. It's not about you. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. love you yeah. guys, yeah. but yeah. we don't love false advertising. No, 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 no. Exactly. Uh, so, but yeah, um, Dennis, uh, thank you so much for spending so much time with us tonight. Uh, we're starting to wind down our happy hour, essentially. Uh. Do we have any uh, passing uh, thoughts to give to Dennis or Dennis, do you have uh, anything to say on your end? No, I just, um, <laughs> uh, penguins in three. No, just not. No. Oh, no. Holy crap, man. <laughs> I'm going to, no, we um, are going to have to have, you know how I feel about, about Montreal games. and the Habs. It's just, and it's, yeah. uh, you guys are great. I lo- always love when you ask me to come on. So, but look, I'm being positive. I think that we have this situation where, um, we're going to have hockey back and it's going to be look that first round is going to be so crazy. It's going to oh, be yeah. right. I mean, look, last year, remember last year, we forget four upsets, the four number one seeds went out in the first round. This is mm. I believe we're going to play hockey again. I believe the players want to vote for it. I believe we're going to get a, a CBA extension. So I'm going to be really positive. And I can't I will say this a, a, a month from now. Buckle up that that qualifying round is going to be amazing and fun. And hopefully we'll get to see it all. Perfect. Mr. That Bernstein, would be great. thank you yeah. so thank much you for so joining much. us tonight. And Dennis, if yes. Carey Price steals three games in that play-in round, you have to come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll get a message from you, a DM yes. on Twitter about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the horns going on the final game. But, yeah, no, I love, I love being on the happy hour. Anytime you guys want to talk hockey with me, I'm happy to come on. Thanks thank so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Okay, have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. You know what's great about uh, Dennis is that he Everything. knows how to remove himself from a Skype call. I don't even have to do it. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> the guy's a he's... fucking pro. It's amazing. Okay, bye. No, he's absolutely great. And look at that. We got ourselves a happy hour exclusive in saying yeah. that Toronto is essentially a lock at this yes. point in time. Yes. So I guess we'll uh, we'll tweet that out. Yep. I guess that's we cool. Tweet it out. But yeah, so... um. That's it. Um, I feel bad because we didn't get to ask him about L.A. getting second overall pick. Oh, shit. Oh, crap. Dennis. Uh, Dennis, we're so sorry, but we're in a happy hour. We're not the, we're not the king's quarry or whatever. That's true. What? <laughs> David. Now, that's a great podcast oh. name, though. Love it. Yes. Damn. We'll be an L.A. Kings guy later. Not. Oh, my God. Are no. you kidding me? Absolutely no. not. Um, no. But yeah, we are we are out of time. I can't think of any uh, like Habs news that's happening. Um, all five players are Paul still playing. Byron. Paul um, Byron does not have time for your equipment. He doesn't, he doesn't no. give a shit about he the stick equipment. No, <laughs> he's like, give me the fucking puck. Oh, that was so the good. Fucking net. You're not supposed to do stick lifts with those, Byron. You're supposed to dangle through them. He's just like, no, fuck this thing. Go turn around here and fuck that thing. Then I'm going to pass it and then fuck, shoot it and score. Screw you, Mike. And Mike's like, what I do? <laughs> what I do? I'm just trying to stop the puck. Do you know how last week I said that we're that we're not going to have this playoffs? I was I was having a very pessimistic day. I think and that Dennis um, comes on. And he's yeah, like, and then Dennis comes this on. Is and with his powers of persuasion, now I'm convinced oh. that it's all gonna it's gonna happen. But you know what? I'm I'm really excited to see this cast of characters yeah. who are all gonna be healthy mm-hmm. playing meaningful hockey 
That's I'm right. I'm truly excited to see this. And if we lose, we still win with a top 10 pick. I don't think we're going to lose. That's my secret. Yeah, I, think, I think Dennis is off his rocker there. I think we got, I think we got this. I think we got this. <laughs> no, he, he brought up interesting stuff. Like, you no, have, uh, yes. You have to know so and either Domi or Suzuki as our top two against, you know, against like the, the double-headed dragon, Crosby and Malkin. I mean, those guys, they are, they're a breed apart. And um, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I, I want to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. Well, and he can't, um, uh, uh, Gino, if there's going to be different contact rules, he can't ride hockey players like they're horses and break their kneecaps or whatever, like he did last year to Victor Mete. Or who was yes. it? Yeah. So Mete. Yeah. When, if, if they're not allowed to play dirty like that, we've got a chance. Are you kidding? I think we've got this. I wouldn't be surprised if we swept him. Yeah. That yeah. would be awesome. And everyone yeah, would it would. So angry. Bring everybody out would your be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, has, we would it, be it happy. can't be a broom. It has to be one of those hand ones because it's only a best of three, best of five. And then we'd be Boston. What could be more delicious? Exactly. And then we get reseeded mm. against the top seed again. <laughs> yeah, and then we beat those guys too. That's right. And then we're in the. And then we go to the final. The, no, the that's... next one, and then the final, the, and the then the cup. The next one, and then the final, and then the cup. And then, then the we get cup. our asterisk. And, and then. And then Carey Price puts his newborn baby son, Jeremy, yes, in the top the of the cup. I think it's another girl. I think it's a boy. Do you think it's How a boy? Pissed I think Carrie it's a boy. <laughs> How pissed would Carrie be? What? What? If it's a girl. He would be ecstatic. He of would be so happy, happy However, being a girl dad. However, in the back of his mind. But it's going to be Jeremy Price. What were you going to say, David? <laughs> I was just saying that he's going to be pissed if it's not a boy. <laughs> oh, he's not. Straight up pissed. Oh, my God. You don't God. know him. Yeah. I, know um, him. I know hockey dads. He likes to do all the ballet stuff. I yeah. know zero hockey dads, and he actually does not like doing that. It's kind of like oh, Cuomo God. talking about oh uh, the boyfriend. He says, oh, David. Okay, goodbye. 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 Bye.